Welcome to Aiba Interviews. I'm Cole with Aiba, and today I am joined by my new friend, Brandon Pankey from Live Nation Urban. He is a VP of Business Development and Operations. Brandon, how are you doing today? Wonderful, sir. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm great. It's a pleasure to have you on, too. Uh, very excited to talk to you. So, um, I wanted to actually spend some time doing a little bit of background, a little bit of profile on you. Sure. Um, you came into this industry via path that we don't typically see, we'll say. Uh, you have a degree from UPenn, uh, mm -hmm. years of finance before making your, your transition, your switch into uh, management, touring, festivals. So I sure. wanted to ask you, first of all, how did you get here? <laughs> and then how did that uh, specific background shape you for you know, your current role and responsibilities? Yeah, for sure. So it's always been within the music industry. And so we, you know, when I worked in finance, it was for business management. Uh, actually with the same person, Sean G, who was the president of Live Nation Urban. Mm -hmm. He had a business management firm in Philadelphia, and I started out as his assistant. Um, and at the time, we managed the finances for, um, who was it? The Roots, Jill Scott, Kanye West, and a few others. And so yeah. I learned, you know, at that point, I was, you know, managing the, the, the bills every day, just making sure <laughs> that mortgages were paid. Um, but I slowly started transitioning in, in one of the gifts that he had because, um, Sean also managed the roots mm. in jail. Um, so we started really, for me, working on the touring for these artists, working on the touring for Kanye, working on the touring at a later time of uh, Drake and Lil Wayne. And so I started to transition over to really managing the tours for artists. And what does that mean? That means that, you know, everything from, you know, hiring, helping to hire the, the band and the crew and um, putting together those touring budgets and, and really managing the routing that we receive from booking agents, and et cetera, but really managing that tour. And so that's where I really started, you know, gaining, you know, the experience that I have today that led to uh, Live Nation Urban. So I always had a little bit of that artist management experience uh, to go along with the, the business management experience as well. So um, yeah, man. And, and, and I think, you know, when you're talking about finance, you know, any industry, whether it's music, whether it's healthcare, whether it's, you know, fill in the blank brand, <laughs> finance is the center of, of anything that you do. And sure. so I think that it was important for me to have that, you know, that background and have that knowledge because it really helps, you know, when I'm making decisions for artists or we're making decisions about what festivals to run, having a, a really solid understanding of the financial implications of anything that we do is critical. Yeah, and having that total picture of everything, I'm sure, uh, yeah. informs you with every decision that you make along the way. Um, sure. So, and, and did, did you, I guess, officially transition from that world in, into uh, events and, and festivals, talent buying? Did you do that in 2017 with the founding of Live Nation Urban, or were you already uh, kind of in the space? Kind of in that space. I mean, so the Roots actually started the Roots Picnic. You know, we started that in 2008. And so we were already you know, working and developing festivals. And, and, you know, we were partnering with Live Nation at the time before we came over officially with Live Nation Urban. And then Little Wayne, we produced um, a festival called Little Louisiana Fest in New Orleans. And mm -hmm. we started that um, in 2015, I want to say. We started that in 2015. And so, um, you know, those two festivals were really our mainstays. And, and then with Live Nation Urban, really started to develop other festivals, other platforms within hip-hop, R&B, and gospel as well. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm sure Sean wanted you on board as, as soon as that was launched, uh, given your history together. It was like, hey, you're coming over on this side. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, let me get an offer. At right. least. Uh, no, but no, but no. It was, I mean, it's, it's, 
Uh, um, you know, it was something that I think it was a natural and a very organic transition for me. Um, and again, I still get to, you know, really work with artists in a way because what we're not talking about is between the business management and the, uh, the Live Nation Urban of it all, there was Maverick, you know, and, mm -hmm. and Sean is still a partner in Maverick. And, and for those that don't know, Maverick is the world's largest artist management company. And within Maverick, you know, I was director of, of touring and, and, and business development. So it was like taking, again, it was all a natural progression. Take the business management. Now we're managing tours, man, business development, and take that knowledge and, and, and bring it over to Live Nation Urban. Yeah. And, and so now that you're there, I mean, obviously it's been a massive success. Um, you guys have moved a ton of tickets. <laughs> you're continually inventive, unique. Um, what's the magic there? What's the secret sauce? Is there anything you can share about, you know, how you guys are able to, to time and time again, come back with, with great new events? I would say for me, um, we're, we know our audience and we super serve that audience. We super serve that demographic. We know the type of shows that we, they want to do. We know the type of shows that we want to see. So it's not putting together something just to sell a ticket. It's putting together something that we really love, that we really curate um, and, and, and really create really spectacular events. And, and we love what we do and we love, you know, putting on these shows and, and figuring out what that perfect mix of, you know, it's not just artists, it's what are those panels that we'll have that we add to, to the show? What are podcasts that we're going to have at the yeah. Roots Picnic? You know, what are things that we can really create, you know, ancillary around the festivals to create a really robust experience? So that secret sauce, it really isn't a secret. It's we love <laughs> our, our audience. We're going to give you the best possible product and we're going to put our heart into giving you and providing that best possible product. Yeah. And so uh, it's, it seems like there's a, there's a constant uh, infusion of imagination in, in what you're doing. Um, I was, you know, myself, and we'll, we'll talk about the Roots Picnic uh, a little yeah. bit down the line, but watching what you guys did with the virtual event this year and just, just seeing all the, the different material that maybe you wouldn't expect uh, in there, like, uh, like the ghetto gastro and everything. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's just really cool um, to see that constantly in there. And I think the, the love and the passion for what you do comes through. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're talking about, you know, and I'll say it, we're talking about black culture. You know, it's, you know, it's the music, but you said you talked about ghetto gastro. It's the culinary experience. It's the comedy experience. It's all of these things represent culture. And so how do we incorporate these things into the events that we have? And I, and I think when we're talking about the Roots Picnic, and you said you'll talk about it, but, you know, <laughs> partnering with Michelle Obama, I think gave us an opportunity to really stretch, you know, and really, really figure out what we want to do that's really cool and compelling and reaching an audience that we may not have had at the actual Roots Picnic um this year if it was still live so that that's pretty exciting for us yeah right and and you know since we went there let's just just continue on i mean you went sure. from uh you said to, this year was year 13 of the roots picnic was it so you know it's, it's been around for a while but um mm -hmm. this year you know circumstantially uh, ended up being a virtual event um you guys were uh retooling everything you do like you mentioned you had you had the opportunity to have michelle obama involved with it um and i imagine the, the reach skyrocketed Right. From, yeah. from the people that you're able to get there on the spot to, to people who can turn it, tune in across the country. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, usually we have 25 to you know, 30,000 people and we were expected to sell out this year. But, you know, utilizing YouTube and, you know, really combining that message of, you know, nonpartisan for clarity, but, you know, really identifying that messaging of voting and having the platform that we had. We had, you know, 650,000 viewers. And so that is. Um, one, it's, it's incredible, but, but it allows us to take, <laughs> right, to take that audience. And now when we're now going back live, 
I think there's a function in which we're going to have live, but then we're also going to combine, you know, this experience that we we've garnered over the past few months and create, um, uh, you know, that live stream experience, that, that, that experience for those that may not be able to come to the festival or quite honestly may not feel comfortable uh, yeah. still being out in front of, you know, 25, 30,000 people. So I, I'm excited about how we're going to be able to blend, you know, both worlds and, and take all the knowledge that we have to create a, a really compelling event next year. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's the, the blend of both worlds coming together. Do you see yourself also um, doing any more standalone virtual events, like even beyond when it's absolutely necessary? Mm-hmm. I think so. I, I think that I think we have to, um, but I think it, it has to make sense. You know, we're, yeah. I, we are, you know, live music people, but more than that, we are live. We are live content people. We are in the live content business. So that means that if there's an opportunity to create a virtual event in 2021 or 2025, we will. If there's an opportunity to come back and have a live event that makes sense, we will. I think there's going to be some sort of hybrid um, in which, you know, and I'm throwing this out here where we have <laughs> a live event you know, 25, 30,000 people and we reached our cap. And now we create a, a, you know, a 999, let's call it live stream ticket, you know, and that live stream ticket grants you access to, to certain elements of the festival or all of the festival. So I, there has to be a way where we keep, you know, all of those users that may not feel comfortable, all the consumers that may feel like, I don't know if I really want to be around all these people, but I really love the Roots Picnic and I love what they do, or I love Louisiana Fest, or I love Lights On Fest, and I really want to be a part of it. Let's give them an opportunity to still feel a part of the community um, without necessarily, you know, fearing for their safety. And sure. Thousand people. Sure. And can I ask what you make of, um, you know, some of the virtual events that we've seen uh, kind of in non-traditional venues, like Tomorrowland had a, a big virtual space that they created. Um, we saw uh, Travis Scott in uh, Fortnite, that sort of thing. Like, what are your what are your thoughts about those kind of events? Love all of it. Love all of it. I think the more innovative, the better. And I think, you know, when you're talking about Travis Scott, one of the things that I've always been big on is how do we incorporate um, really technology, but video games um, into the, the music space. And I think that that's what they did is phenomenal. What they've done. I know for a fact, other artists are working on um, <laughs> part of. Um, so I think that's just the beginning. You know, I, I, I even see an ecosystem or a world where that artist has created, it's not, you're not an element in Fortnite. You've created the Travis Scott video game. And in that game, you have a monthly concert, virtual concert that people can pay. Like the way that you use in-app purchases, you know, for some of these free apps now, there's an in-app purchase to see, you know, certain songs air or, or, or hear a new single. Like I, I see a world where that's just going to open up and, and I'm excited about it, to be honest. Yeah, I think uh, sometimes circumstances force invention upon us, right? And and everybody gets creative in a pinch and, and you start seeing these new things. It's really, you know, I, I wouldn't have thought about that before, but it's a very interesting opportunity going forward. So, yeah, if you look at, I mean, look at the last time when we had a really bad economical downturn and that was 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. that was the birth of Airbnb and Uber and all of these companies that we can't do without now. And so I think there's going to be something exact same thing that's going to happen right now in this time. Um, and in the music space, because we are adapting. It is a wild, wild west. We are figuring it out as we go along. You know, Goldman Sachs had a you know report where the you know the industry will double in revenue by 2030. I think it's going to be even more than that now. I think wow. now that we've discovered new revenue streams to go along with the streams that we were already used to prior to COVID, I think it's a no-brainer for us, and, and I'm super excited about what's to come. 
yeah. And the infusion of technology into the space, you know, that's, that's come so far. Uh, so it can only, it can only get better from here for sure. So Absolutely. Um, I do want to shift gears a little bit and, and talk about um, some of kind of the, the, the personal passion projects that, you know, come up with you. Uh, so I was preparing for this. I, I came across so much. I was very impressed by um, how much you've done, especially uh, in memorializing contributions of black musicians producers, executives, you're spending time telling the story um, behind all of these people and the amazing art that they've created. Um, you've got the, was it Meet the Execs and Meet the Founders podcast uh, for Live yeah. Nation. You've, you've done so much of it to the extent that the National Museum of African American Music has actually brought you on board with their, uh, their Music Industry Relations Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was wondering if you could just share a few words about why that's so important to you, what you you know, what drives you to do the work that you're doing in that space? Cause I mean, it's, it's a little outside your, your normal job description, but the passion yeah, comes to it for sure. Yeah, for sure. But, but I think it's, it's as critical as the work we're doing in, in creating festivals or producing events. And, and the reason behind that for me is when I was growing up, I, um, <clears throat> I used to have the, the source magazine and Vibe magazine and I would read those uh, publications and I wasn't necessarily reading for the artists. I was reading to hear more about, you know, Puff, Puff Daddy. I was reading about, you know, the the Russell Simmons of the world and how they created, you know, these, you know, empires, you know, record label and clothing line and fashion, and, you know, clothing line and restaurants and, um, you know, television, film, and they were doing all these things and utilizing music as the as the central foundation of that. And I think that's what led to really wanting to understand executives and founders in this space. I will tell you a lot of young kids, you know, African-Americans, Hispanics, you know, those that I grew up around, you understand what a rapper is, or you understand what an artist is, or what an athlete is, but guess what? There's a marketing manager that is making six figures at a label that is helping to craft what that album, how you hear about that album um, for your favorite artist. There's someone on tour, a lighting director, whose job is to literally, you know, make sure the lights look good um, at a show. And they're making $3,500 a week, $4,000 a week on, a, on an arena level tour. And you don't know anything about these jobs. So I think it's important. Um, it's critical. It's not even just important. It's critical. It's, it's, it, we have to highlight, you know, these individuals and make sure um, that, that the young kids and younger people understand who they are and, and what they do. Yeah. So speaking of, you know, educating people about what jobs are out there, uh, what roles in the music industry are available, other than the ones that, you know, uh, we might traditionally be aware of, um, you are spending time with, uh, in a couple different ways, educating future generations about music business, whether it's um, the DASH program um, that you're a part of uh, in Philadelphia Public Schools, or your adjunct work with Drexel University. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about each of those things? What are the main lessons you're trying to get across to your students and how will it make a difference for them in the long term? Yeah, for sure. I mean, education is absolutely uh, one of my passions in general. Um, and da- the DASH program was founded in 2005 when I was an intern, actually, uh, with two music managers who I interned with, Jerome Hips and Michael McArthur. Um, and it stands for Destined to Achieve Successful Heights. And we teach young people about the business of entertainment. Because again, everyone knows what an artist is, but doesn't understand all the opportunities behind the scenes that really generate, you know, the power and influence of the overall industry. And so, right. you know, within DASH, you know, we have songwriting and production courses. So students are actually writing their own music, <laughs> um, producing their own music, and they release that on, you know, DSPs such as SoundCloud. Um, we have our 
business of music courses where we're teaching them marketing, managing, uh, touring, um, budgeting, et cetera. And we have um, our guest lecturers. So we have real you know, professionals in the industry also coming in and speaking to students. We work with students in the school district of Philadelphia, Baltimore City Public Schools. Um, and we've actually partnered with the, the Grammy Music Education Coalition to develop a curriculum that we hope can be utilized um, nationwide. And so this is something that it's, it's just as important. I mean, I, you know, all the work that, that I do uh, within the industry and, and helping to um, create events and platforms is great. Um, but, you know, it's, it's always been more important, to be honest, to, to really make sure that the next generation has a, a better opportunity uh, and really more knowledge than I had um, and, and really have an opportunity to thrive. Um, in regards to adjuncting, I mean, I did that in 2019. Um, because I, you know, I, again, I love kids and, and being in that mm -hmm. college environment was really, really special. I am way too busy. I realized, <laughs> um, you know, with the office hours and, um, giving the grades and the quizzes and, and finals, I was like, I need to take a break, but adjuncting is something I absolutely love. And I think one of these days I, I will be back and, and doing that again. Um, education is it for me, um, at the end of the day. Great. Well, yeah, surely, like I said, the, you know, the passion that you have for these things comes through and um, that's extra special. You know, it's all, always great to see that. Absolutely. We're working yeah. on more virtual events this year. Excited to bring them to you. And, um, you know, I, I only see a bright future for the, for the music industry. This is the, the greatest time to me because there are a lot of innovators and there are a lot of people figuring it out. And, mm -hmm. and I, as we figure it out, we're only going to get bigger and better. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. Great. Well, Brandon, thank you for joining us today. Uh, this has been Aiba Interviews. We appreciate your time and uh, wish you the best and hope to chat with you soon in the future. Thank you so much, Cole. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care.